guys, Sophia here. Some big news from Girlboss today. We've brought our amazing podcast, Lip Stories, back for season two, and it's shaping up to be an incredible season. We're talking to a fascinating cast of characters from trans activist and author Jacob Tobiah to model and activist Lauren Wasser and art pro Kimberly Drew, you probably know as at Museum Mammy on Instagram. They're all going deep with us on how they think about beauty and identity and having a lot of fun with our host Christina Zias in the process. Have a listen here. Hey everybody, Christina Zias here. I'm a body positive fashion blogger, TV style expert, and the host of Lip Stories. On my channels, I talk a lot about body positivity and confidence and feeling like your best self. And that's why I'm absolutely so excited for this season of Lip Stories. Thank you to Sephora Collection for partnering with Girlboss to make this podcast possible. On this season of Lip Stories, we are having honest and intimate conversations between some amazing individuals. We're looking back on our favorite beauty moments and getting real about how we can all feel a little bit more beautiful, a lot more powerful, and like our best selves. In Lip Stories, we are looking at beauty from all different angles and discussing how being confident in yourself is a journey and it's different for every person. All right, without further ado, let's get into our first guest of the season, Jacob Tobiah. I'm here with Jacob Tobiah. Jacob is a writer, a producer, and author of Sissy, a coming of gender story. Jacob openly discusses their personal struggle with body positivity and uses their platform to promote self-confidence in others and call for change to the beauty industry's problematic standards. Jacob, I'm so excited to have you here. I just finished your book. Oh. And I can't even tell you, it was, so, first of all, it was educational. Mm. It was emotional. It was humorous. I feel like I laugh, I cried, I learned. It was like everything I wanted it to be and more. Mm. So I, to have you sitting here today, I'm so, so, so excited to have you. So welcome. Um, well, thank you for having me. It's so great to be sitting down. I love, we're for people at home, we're in this room with these like gorgeous yellow curtains. A pink Just rug. A pink rug. Blue velvet chairs. Blue velvet chairs. <laughs> like it's, it's good. It's All everything you imagined a girl boss. Uh, podcast studio would look like exactly yeah. and Jacob looks so fabulous and I know this is all audio for you guys so I just need you to take us through your outfit take us through these details and these beautiful earrings this silk scarf your mm. bold lift I want to I need you to describe in detail for our listeners so they can envision how fabulous you look right now sure sure we'll give a little tour please please um so okay so we'll start from the we'll start from the bottom and go to the top i love this um so i'm wearing um currently wearing a uh payless for christian christian Ciarano for payless boot i didn't even um, know that existed right it was a really good collection actually also r.i.p payless because they're like going under wow right? did not Isn't know that, that either see we're I'm pretty sure so much. someone told me that and i was like that's really sad it makes me sad um yeah i inherited these boots from my roommate a few like like three years ago in new york and they're like my favorite one of my favorite boots and they've lasted too which it goes against sort of the stereotypes about payless so they we look need, brand new and i mean that's just because i well, I mean, they're, they're, if you look close, they don't. But anyway, so I'm wearing a little black booty, mm -hmm. um, some dark wash jeans because I just wanted to, I don't know. I was like, it's going to be 85 degrees. Let's wear jeans. Um, that's the <laughs> I, thing the to do. The darkest ones we can find. Right. Let's do that. That's smart. <laughs> um, and then on top of that, I have a uh, a red sort of equestrian print uh, silk scarf that is something that either like your fancy grandma or like your your yachting grandmother mm -hmm. or your 
pony riding English countryside grandma would wear. Um, And then to top that off, I have some lovely like grandma clip-ons that are sort of sculptural. Um, They're like black and gold. They're a little bit chunky. And my friend got them at an estate sale in, uh, in Durham, North Carolina, and she gave me them very generously. I love them. And what about your bold lip? Oh, and then I'm wearing it's I'm wearing a it was it was sort of a daring decision. I wasn't sure. I was like I thought about it a little too hard this morning. It's I like was a like, berry mauve. Right. It's like a mauve berry, but then I have a red scarf. So I was like, can I do that? And yes. I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna be edgy today. We're gonna try. Super edgy. I love it. Mm. Do you normally go for a bold lip? Yeah, I love a bold lip. I don't do I don't do very many like nudes, mostly because I feel like a nude lip, the reason it works really well. Um, or, or one of the things that makes it work really well is like if it if it stands in in some in a sort of subtle contrast to the surrounding area, right? Which when you have a lot of facial hair, um, mm-hmm. like I do, that pigments your the area around your mouth, like Absolutely. it kind of if I put on a nude lip, it just gets lost because it doesn't. It's not contrasting against my actual flesh tone. It's contrasting against sort of like the stubble and like the, the the combined color palette of like stubble and and my skin. Um, so I love a bold lip because I feel like uh, it it pops in a way that really works for me. Um, and I'm trying these days, though, to think about, like, what does a more subtle pink look like? But for me, a subtle pink is still, like, a loud pink. Like a fuchsia. Yeah. Or a yeah, rose. Yeah. Like, and, or at least it's, like, it's, like, you know, barely nude. Like, it's just, it's just, like, it could maybe, like, someone in the most liberal interpretation could be, like, that's, like, a pink nude, you know? But it's, but, yeah, I feel like I, I love a bold color. And I love, um, I love wearing stuff that just is loud. Uh, and I love makeup that's super boisterous and I'm not very technical with my makeup. I don't care about like technical proficiency. I don't really care about whether or not I put it on right. Um, I My favorite makeup looks are when I just kind of do like clown makeup for like a red carpet. And I'm like, is this good? I don't know, let's go. Have you worked with a makeup artist before or have you done all your own makeup? Um, yeah, I've worked with makeup artists on lots of different shoots. Um, and they do things and wizardry that I don't understand. Isn't it crazy? You're like, yeah. all the brushes, where'd right. they come from? And they have like ideas around subtlety and stuff and like can make my face do things that like I don't know how to make it do. Um, so, you know, I, I really, I'm deeply appreciative of like the art of being, mm-hmm. of, of makeup and of being a makeup artist. Um, and my my main makeup artist is uh, Deja and she's in New York. So whenever I have like big things in New York and need to look like, like super Deja. good. Yeah, like when I was on The Daily Show, like Deja did my face and it was, it was probably the most incredible beat that I that I think I've ever had. Like it was, it was Can so Can you describe good. it to us? What did it look well, like? Well, the thing I loved most is that it was like, is she actually filled in my stubble just a touch like in sort of a Conchita Verst type way do you know Conchita Verst no so Conchita Verst is this um like drag queen slash singer who competed in Eurovision a few years back and it was like a big deal in like 2016 or something I think or maybe 2015 um and like and part of her drag thing is like she put she like fills hyper fills in her facial hair um and it wasn't like that but it was like a subtle kind of filling in which I was like oh this it actually reads really well on camera it helps sort of even it out and I was like I'd never thought to like you know you line your eyebrows so you have like more structure for sure I fill my eyebrows I'd never thought to like line a little bit like my natural stubble because what I've always said about my stubble is that um it's wonderful because I grow my own contour. Um, I just wake up and it's like, oh, look, you did it again. Um, so as long funny. as you shape it right and as long as you like trim it properly. Um, but yeah, so Deja did my face and it was it was it was transcendent. <laughs> and, and she like she used like four or five or six different colors for my brows. Just my brows. 
That's like, wild. They were the most beautiful brows I'd ever had. I was like, they're like art. And I was like, oh yeah, because it's art, like makeup artist, like putting the artist and makeup artist. Got it. They're duh, actually idiot. doing what th- what they're saying. Right, they're like doing. the title exists yeah, for a reason. Yeah, this makes sense. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have a first memory of beauty? Mm. I'm so excited to talk about your book and everything, but mm. we're since we're talking since we're on the topic of beauty and you look so fabulous, I feel like we need to like peel back the layers a little bit yeah. and learn how you kind of got started with it. Mm. Yeah, I I think a lot of my earliest memories of beauty um, were mostly mostly from my grandmother on my mom's side. Mm-hmm. Um, because my mom, the thing that I love about my mom, I adore my mom. She's perfect. Um, and one of the things that makes her so perfect is that people look at me and they would assume that like I have you know, some kind of like uh, Southern Belle high femme mom, right? That like, that's how, how this came to be. And it could like, it, it could not be the op- more Further opposite from the than truth. that. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. Like my mom is um, like, she's very understated and like, and like kind of tomboyish. Um, and, and like her favorite look is, is like a, you know, a leather boot and like a dapper blazer. Um, like she's so, she's so like, cool and subtle and everything and if she would never in a million years wear an earring this big like whenever we get her earrings for christmas or something she's like i just need them to be like small yeah okay like, like little don't... stud or pearl or something so yeah so small. although even like pearls she doesn't like that as much as like just sort of like a nice little metal thing that's like not like we got her these little metal elephants that were maybe like half an inch tall they're like mm-hmm. teeny little baby elephants and she loves them they're so great she has this one pair that's like a a blown glass just one bead that has like rainbow sort of lines that go through it and they're like her pride earrings oh, um, so and cute. but they're like tiny little baubles that I would never wear like right. I would never steal her earrings and she would never steal <laughs> mine because we wear completely different styles of earrings but um, your grandmother but my grandma uh-huh. I stole all of her earrings yeah. quite literally yeah um, like when when my grandma passed away when I was 16 uh, there was this really funny moment because I didn't understand like I didn't know uh, 100% where this gender train was going. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh, destination X, right? It was sort right. of just like, we're on some sort of journey and we don't fully understand where it's going to land. For sure. And I don't understand exactly what all these things mean about me. I'm just figuring it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just had this gut feeling when my grandma died. It was like, okay, so we need to keep her entire jewelry collection because most of her stuff was costume, right? It wasn't like valuable, yeah. right? It's like, it wasn't it wasn't expensive. It was like stuff that we got her from JCPenney for Christmas. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so there was an inclination to kind of like, well, we'll probably give a lot of it to Goodwill or, you know, just like mm-hmm. give it away because no one's going to wear it and may as well go to good use for th- in someone else's wardrobe. And I, as, you know, someone who had just kind of come out as gay. No, I hadn't even I hadn't even come out as gay yet. My parents didn't even know I was gay. Well, I mean, they they, they knew I was gay, but like right. I hadn't said it. Right. Um, my mom knew. My dad was still in denial. Uh, but, you know, I, I sort of was I found myself in this moment where we were going through all my grandma's possessions and I had to be like, OK, how do I tell everyone that we need to save these earrings without disclosing that I want them? Right. Like, how do I just sort of be like, what did you do? Well, what I ended up doing was I used because I have on my mom's side, I have three cousins and they're all well, one is non-binary and two are women. Um, uh, But, you know, they were all identifying as women back then. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was like, oh, well, we should keep everything so that 
Like the girl cousins can look through all of it, right? You're so sweet. So thoughtful, Jacob. So thoughtful, so thought, truly just so magnanimous. Like (laughs) we wouldn't want to get rid of anything. Like they deserve the right to pick through this. So, and it's not like it's that big, you know, it's not like her jewelry collection was like five chests, right? It was like a cute jewelry box and some, you know, like a few bags. Um, And so it's sort of like, well, let's just take it home. And then, you know, Caitlin, Lindsay and Courtney can look through it when they, when, when, when they come visit next time and like make sure that they get anything that they'd like and whatever. And did they ever see them? Um, yeah. Okay. But, so you but, <laughs> right, like they did take some stuff, but but most of it, like it wasn't their style either. Right. Um, and I was just like, oh no, well it's not your style, and it's not my mom's style, and we um, can't give it away. Well, I mean, just I, I don't. I'll, I'm just gonna sort of like say nothing about it and put it in my room. That's so and cute. And then you know, when I move, go to college, just take it with me, and then be like, now I'm wearing my grandma's rosettes, and forever and ever and ever, and forever and ever. It's yeah. so funny because well, my grandmother passed away, and I think our grandmothers would have gotten along great, and mm. I have the craziest silk scarf, collect, silk scarf collection from oh, her gorgeous. all these costume jewelry clip-on earrings and then the most wild hats and sometimes mm. i'll wear them around and people will be like what decade did you step out of and i'm like hello it's 2019 and i'm fabulous bringing it to you right now is it mostly like 80s stuff or what's the no it's from like the 40s and 50s <gasps> Oh. Yeah, and I actually have them all in my bedroom in West Hollywood that I can't fit one single hanger in. And my mom's like, "Why don't you just get rid of those hats?" And I was like, "There's no way right, I'm like, getting this is rid an of the heirloom hats. collection." Exactly. Do they fit your head? Yeah, they do. Ugh, that's so great. My, they do. None of my if my grandmother had had a big hat collection, none of them would have fit my head because she was like a tiny little. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I have a little I, head, I, I guess. Big ass head. <laughs> Do you remember the first time that you put on lipstick? Well, I remember the first series of times. I'm not 100% sure which one exactly was first. Okay. When I was like really young, because the, the way I talk about my gender and my, sort of my journey with it is that when I was a kid, when I was really young, when I was like three or four, I knew mm-hmm. everything I needed to know about my gender, right? Like I knew who I was. Um, and then it was a process of the world being like, no, you can't be that way. Right. Um, so I don't remember if as like a three-year-old or four-year-old I ever put on lipstick. I know I want would have wanted to because um, I always like, you know, I always wanted to paint my nails and play dress up in tutus and like put on lipstick and run around in pink or whatever. Um, you know, I was a super girly kid. Uh, and I don't know if I actually succeeded in getting to put on lipstick when I was that young mm-hmm. because probably by the age of five even – I would have known that it wasn't acceptable to ask anymore. Okay. You know, I would have like gotten the memo that you can't that you can't want to do that, mm-hmm. or at least that asking to want to wear lipstick would be crossing some line that would make your life more difficult. Um, and so, the first time I remember putting on lipstick myself, my mom would keep this one tube of kind of like a her her standard shade. It was sort of like a like a br- like a brownish burnt red kind of thing. Okay. Um. Uh. With a, like, a, but more toward the nude end of that. I don't even know how to describe it fully. Um, I wish I were more articulate about. Uh, no, I, color, I actually but, can envision okay. that perfectly. I think I have something like that in my beauty cabinet. Yeah, and I don't remember what brand it was, but I remember the tube was like an emerald green with a gold band on it. She's um, fancy a little. And uh, and then and so you know, like I remember she would keep it. There was this little crystal bowl that was in the. Um, in the bathroom downstairs and she would keep it there and like put some on before she left the house mm-hmm. you know when, when she wanted to she didn't even wear lipstick every day but that was pretty much the only makeup she wore when she wore makeup like she wouldn't even do mascara she would just like put on a little lipstick and call it a day mm-hmm. um, and I remember kind of going in there at some point and I don't know exactly when maybe sixth grade maybe fifth grade maybe third grade mm-hmm. and just sort of being like picking up the tube of lipstick and being like 
I'm just going to put this on. And did and you I, do it? Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. And and then I looked at my reflection in the mirror. And at that point in my life, it was kind of like, uh, I don't even know how to admit to myself that I like this. Okay. Right? Like, I didn't even know how to admit to myself that, like, that that it was something that I that I that I enjoyed and something that felt cute for me and something that felt natural for me because it felt so impossible to then take it out into the world, mm-hmm. right? Like I knew I couldn't even leave the bathroom with it on. Um right. so I would like put it on, I looked in the mirror for like two seconds and then, you know, um would wipe it off with toilet paper and then like make sure I crudded up the toilet paper or make sure I make sure to, flush to flush the toilet paper <laughs> yeah. so no one you couldn't even like you couldn't accidentally see in the trash can that like you know someone had been putting on lipstick and if it, it would obviously not be my brother it would be me mm-hmm. um and and then would like you know and then would flush because I'd have to pretend that I was in there like taking a dump because why else would I be sitting in the bathroom for, for so, so long? long yeah right um and so it was it was interesting because yeah at that time in my life it was just it wasn't the question of whether or not I liked it almost felt irrelevant because it was like, well, there's no way you can wear this. So whether or not you like it, who cares? Right. That's like so interesting. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's, which is fucked up and sad. Yeah, it is. Um, and something that I really getting into your book a little bit mm-hmm. is that I didn't realize that your coming out story is something that almost feels like it spans like over a decade mm-hmm. because it seems like you came out in in different steps, you know, first you came out as gay and to your brother and then to your parents. And then you went through these steps like throughout schooling and college and everything. Mm-hmm. And can you take us through that a little bit? Because I think that people might not really understand that whole process mm-hmm. and what it was like for you. And then after that, I want to get into like some technical terminology, yeah. because for me, yeah. like reading your book was such a learning experience. And I think our listeners would love to be educated on the topic and want to be an mm. ally to you mm. and to everyone in your community. But there's such a learning curve. And I don't think it's necessarily fair for everyone to like assume that people have to get it right away. Um, they need to be right. educated. And I think you do such a good job at educating people in, in an informative but like friendly way. Mm. Well, I mean, that's that's the whole that's the whole point and ethos of my work mm-hmm. is that because the the thing that would be really hypocritical of me is to assume that everyone else should be able to figure out things that took me five years to a decade to figure out. Totally. You know, like yeah. I ha- I once had no idea what all these words meant too. I once didn't know how to use pronouns properly too. Mm-hmm. Like I once was confused by all of this. Um, and so I try to really hold that and remember that when I think about um, what I'm sharing with other people and when I think about uh, what I expect of others. And all I expect from people is a sort of playful willingness to try. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also like a willingness to, uh, to, to fuck it up um, and feel really fabulous in doing so. Um, it's like, it's like mm-hmm. gymnastics um, where you have to practice falling because the fear of messing up is the thing that may, stops you from doing it at all. That's exactly actually what stopped me from right. gymnastics. So that's a great analogy. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like you have to like, I remember like gymnastics coach will be like, okay, everybody we're falling all day. Like right. we're falling for a whole week of gymnastics camp because you just have to get more comfortable falling and knowing that you're not going to like mess up your entire body just because you tried something. Um, and so I want, I have the same kind of approach when I think about uh, talking about gender identity, talking about gender expression, talking about pronouns, all the kind of stuff is I want people People to feel really really safe fucking up mm-hmm. because if you see, feel safe falling then you can actually try the move you I, know what i mean yes 
And I appreciate that. And I think other people appreciate that too. And I fuck up too. Right. Like there are moments, I swear to God, where I just, it's not even like I care about what pronouns people use deeply, but sometimes I can't remember someone's name. And then I also can't remember their pronouns. And also one (laughs) thing that's right. And like a joke that my friends and I make all the time is like, you know, be, we, you know, you're really trans. Um, when, when like you'll be talking about a friend that you've known for five years, both of you, and then you haven't either, you, neither of you have talked to them for like three years, but you've just been following on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, wait, does that person go by that name anymore? Like what pronouns is that person using? I don't even fucking know. Have you talked to them in forever? I don't remember, you know, and you can't like, you just have totally lost track. Like part of losing track of somebody is not knowing what job they're working in still, right. like not knowing if they're still living in that apartment they were living in. Also not knowing if their gender is still the same. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> like, makes things a little bit more complicated. That's so, wow, that's funny. But it's fun. It's like, that's a, it's a playful way of understanding it. Right. Because like no one, we shouldn't navigate the world listening for people's execution over their intent. Um, I think that's a great way to look at it. Hey there. I hope you've been enjoying this conversation so far. I just want to take a quick moment to thank Sephora Collection for really bringing this podcast to life. You know, beauty is one of those things that I love talking about with my friends. Ever since I was young, I've been obsessed with makeup and beauty products and just everything that helps me feel beautiful and like my best self. We're going to keep talking about all things beauty in season two of Lip Stories with Sephora Collection. So if you haven't hit the subscribe button, what are you waiting for? Hit it and tell a friend or two or three about the show. Across six episodes, we're going to talk about our favorite beauty tips and tricks with some amazing guests. And we're also going to get real about how we can best construct a positive self-image in a world that's just constantly changing. And one more thing, if you have not already checked out the amazing Lip Stories lipsticks from Sephora Collection, you're missing out. So hit up your local Sephora to try on some new shades. They've added so many beautiful new colors, and you can check them out online at Sephora.com. All right, back to our conversation. One of the reasons why I was so excited to talk to you today, and when I was like, okay, Jacob is cool, is when... I was reading your book and you talked about cisgender and you had that sassy ass (gasps) footnote. And I was like, I tapped on it. I was like, what is cisgender? And you're like, if you don't know what cisgender is, it's because you're cisgender. And I was like, oh oh my gosh, I need to educate myself. (laughs) So can you please tell everyone? We're going to go through a couple terms if that's okay with you and break it down. So I'm cisgender. Please give us a little bit of a definition. So if you're cisgender, it means that the way everyone understood your gender at birth uh, was right. It just means that the guess was right. You know, that like the doctor was, the doctor looked at you and was like, oh, um, you know, I'm going to put an F on your birth certificate. And then you grow up and you're like, I'm a woman. And that's consistent and feels consistent to me. So it's just the idea that you feel um, comfortable in the sex and gender that you were assigned at birth. Okay. And what about transgender? So trans is a big ass umbrella term. Right. Um, it looks like 12,000 different things. Yeah. Um, there's no specific way to be trans, but the core principle of it is that some part of uh, how, how your gender and or sex were assigned at birth wasn't right. Okay. So like, you know, that, that the doctor looked at you and was like, oh, that little baby has a penis. That baby is male. That baby is a man. And then you grow up and you're like, well, I'm non-binary. Uh, and I do have a penis and I'm not going to get rid of it, but I feel like, but I feel some sort of way about it. And it's more complicated than sort of how I've been socially you know, taught to think about it. Or you grow up and you're like, oh, like I identify as a woman and I want to pursue, uh, you know, I want to pursue medical transition and I want to, um, you know, 
I'll like, you know, I want to uh, transition in a way that uh, helps my body align more with how I feel. And sometimes for trans people, that looks like uh, that looks like hormones. Sometimes that looks like um, facial surgery, right? Like around bone structure, mm-hmm. because uh, hormones can change how your face, like how the bone structure of your face, and and it, and it sort of um, can make it more difficult to be understood as the gender that you understand yourself to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it can mean uh, getting a breast augmentation or reduction. Right. It can mean getting bottom surgery, which mm-hmm. is like you know. Um, uh, surgery around your genitalia. Um, it can mean a bunch of different things. And so people, you know, the the thing that's so important to emphasize about trans experience is that there's not just one way to transition. Um, that people transition socially where they just live differently but don't change anything about their body. Um, and that's equally valid and important and radical as transitioning medically where you, um, you know, make changes to your body so that you can feel better in it. Right. And I do, I'm so happy you explain that so thoroughly because I do think a lot of people are confused but Mm. I Mm. to understand it's more of like a blanket term that can mean many different things right helps a lot and now what about umbrella term it's an umbrella term hanging out underneath it Woo! it's raining men yeah (laughs) um it was raining earlier today too uh what about gender non-conforming so gender non-conforming is both an adjective and an identity okay right so some people are like that's who i am like i am gender non-conforming um and then some you know but it's also something you can use to describe like something itself right Mm -hmm. so even if someone doesn't identify as gender non-conforming if a guy is wearing a dress like, you know, he can be gender non-conforming in that moment, even if that's not his whole identity, right? Okay, um, okay so, I see. Yeah, so it's like, and this is why, the, I mean, the, the thing that's uh, that I'm realizing is that I think that maybe as trans activists, we probably need to get together and really advocate for better, uh, like, English education classes, because I feel like some of it is just a linguistic problem. I think so. Like, when you talk about, like, oh, pronouns, people are like, wait, what are those again? I really like I know I'm supposed to know what that is, but I kind of forgot because like I haven't talked about like that category of word since like 10th grade English. Guilty. And and it's been a minute, you know. So I'm sort of like maybe we do like a quick language refresher because it's also being able to be like, well, it can be an identity, um, which is one sort of special type of adjective, right? Like a a core, like a core part of who you are. or it can be just an adjective that doesn't hold identitarian weight. And everyone's like, okay, you just like went way off a cliff of language. Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, so it's, uh, there's there's definitely some like, uh, some basic ways that we can make it more accessible um, and talk about things more accessibly. But gender non-conforming people are just people who don't hold the same gender norms as everyone else, right? Who say that the gender norms we were given don't work for them in some way, shape, or form. Um, and, and again- it doesn't have to be consistent. It doesn't have to be like every day. It doesn't right. have to be how they- It can be in a moment. It can right. be for one day. Um, and, and and is that different to gender non-binary? Uh, yes and no. Um, okay. Non-binary is like an identity. Okay. Not like, it's, it's not, like you don't say someone is being non-binary. Okay. Whereas you could say someone's being gender non-conforming. Okay, got it. Right, because like- uh, gender non-conforming is a term and an adjective that is also used as an identity, whereas non-binary is just an identity. Okay. Um, so, like, if someone's like, "I'm non-binary," what they're telling you is that they think of themselves outside of, beyond, or between kind of the man-woman binary, right? The idea that like there are men and there are women, and there are two types of people, and they're easily sortable, and that's that. Mm-hmm. And non-binary folks are like, "Well, I don't feel really comfortable in either of those boxes." Right. Uh, the the thing that's really beautiful about non-binary folks and gender non-conforming folks and trans folks in general is that what we're really doing um, is continuing in the feminist legacy of the last century. Uh, you know, there was a time, and it wasn't all that historically, it wasn't all that long ago, uh, when 
women wearing pants was a really, really edgy uh, new thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had boss a boss that told me that she had trouble wearing pants in the office as late as the 80s and 90s, you know, because it was just like culturally not what you're supposed to do. Um, you know, Catherine Hepburn uh, in like old Hollywood kind of glamour, like her wearing pants was a signature part of her and a transgressive part of how she navigated Hollywood. And so... Uh, when I think about what trans and gender nonconforming and non-binary folks are doing in the world and why um, our contributions are vital and where we come from, uh, we're continuing in a legacy, mm-hmm. right? It's not this, it, like, the, in a way, the movement is very new. But in, a, in another way, in an equally important way that's often less discussed, the movement is so old. You know, like, being a woman and wanting to vote was being gender nonconforming. You know, like being wow, a woman. I've never yes. thought of that before. Right. Like feminist activism was mm-hmm. so much about we want to buck gender norms and break out of the box that we were put in. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's that's so much what trans and, and gender nonconforming activists are continuing. Like we're continuing that legacy and saying we want to continue to break outside of these boxes. We want to continue to expand them. And one day maybe we don't need to have them in the same way that we do today. Right. Right. Like do we like what what would it mean to live in a world where where being a man or being a woman wasn't seen as something so core and essential to who you are, but was seen as a, a part of your cultural expression. And does that is that kind of where the pronouns come in? Mm. Yeah, and pronouns are about, it's just about the fact that for gender nonconforming people, um, you can just be kind of caught in a weird middle ground, mm-hmm. right? Like when someone calls me he, it's, there's a lot of expectations that come along with that. And when someone calls me she, there are also lots of expectations that come with that. And, you know, I am an imperfect man and an imperfect woman. I'm kind of a failed dude and a failed chick. Um, Like, I'm not really good at being either. Um, But you're great at being you. I'm great at being me. Yeah, I'm great at being a person. Mm -hmm. I'm good at, I think I'm great at being a human. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, sometimes, some days I'm more functional than others. But, um, you know, in general, I would say I give myself like a seven and a half out of 10 on like being a human person. That's pretty good. Um, But yeah, there's, so to me, it's about if we have a gender neutral pronoun, right? If people can just call me they, um, which, you know, I guess people make the argument that linguistically that is. that's like, well, it's plural. It's supposed to be for groups of people. And I'm like, how many times in your life have you been talking about someone and you didn't know their gender or didn't know who they were? And you were just like, oh, where'd they go? Mm-hmm. And you're talking about one person. Like we do so it colloquially true. already. Mm-hmm. Everyone does. So why can't we do it formally? Um, so interesting. And yeah, it just it just means it just means more freedom for people for whom that feels important. And it's kind of like, I think in general, when someone says, oh, the way that you're using language makes it harder for me to navigate the world. Um, it's better to change the way you're using language than to try and get them to uh, stop being who they are. Jacob, it's August 2019. Yes. How do you identify right now and why? Well, I always am such a little troublemaker for okay. journalists or podcast hosts who ask me this question because everyone's always like, so how do you identify? And they want like a quick two or three words. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm always just like, well, identity is like a layer cake. Um, and and what I mean by that is that there are so many words at this point that feel like they're part of my identity mm-hmm. because the way that I've come to understand myself, it isn't that, oh, I get a new identity and the old one's kicked out. Right. It's that they've all been part of my journey. So at a time, you know, and and maybe I'll sort of start from the base of the cake. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is the base of the cake and why I titled my book. This is being a sissy. 
um, because I didn't know when I was a young kid, I didn't have any other language to name my difference than the fact that I was a sissy. Like I just knew that to be true because the only time that my difference was named was when people were making fun of me for it. Right. And, and so it's this way in which, you know, that that's kind of the first identity I had to talk about my gender and to talk about my, my um, sexuality. And then I hit puberty and it was like a five alarm fire. And I was like, oh, oh no, like I definitely like boys. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Um, and I, and I, so I, gay became kind of the dominant word that I, that I used to describe myself. Right. And then I started to realize after I came out well, this doesn't explain everything. And then I went to like some queer conferences at like UNC Chapel Hill mm-hmm. um, near where I was growing up um, and, you know, started learning about the language, all the language that exists around gender identity, right? That there, that there's not only being trans, but there's also being gender nonconforming and gender queer and non-binary, that, that gender's on a spectrum and it's all these things. And so I kind of just took like three or four of those words and sort of threw them into my cake, you know, and like they became layers themselves. And so I said, well, I'm definitely gender queer. I'm definitely gender nonconforming. I'm non-binary because they all sort of mean the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like they don't fully mean the same thing, but they're kind of, it's kind of like at, at the point at which you're debating the difference between gender nonconforming, non-binary and uh, gender queer, like it's, it's poetry, you know, like you're debating the difference between types of poetry, right? It's not, it's not like a, you know, there's not this rigorous difference between a lot of these terms. And that's where I think a lot of people get really hung up is they're like, oh, but I don't understand fully the difference between non-binary and genderqueer. And the answer is you don't have to understand the difference because it's different for every person, right? right? And there's a way in which, you know, like all the cool trans kids on Tumblr that we've sort of, we've come up with a way of talking about gender that is more of a watercolor situation and less of like a paint by numbers type thing, you know, mm-hmm. where like, it's not, we're not trying to set up rigorous boundaries fluid, between all yeah. these things. We're trying to have a fluidity and allow terms to bleed together a little bit and have overlap and be more artistic and less rigid. Um, and so all that is to say, that I'm like a non-binary, genderqueer, trans, GN, like GNC, that's abbreviation for gender nonconforming okay. when you're really Thank cool. Thank you, I needed that. Um, okay. And also people say TGNC, like trans and gender nonconforming as a way to talk about the community. Okay. So if you see that, now you know. Okay, street um, cred 101. Yeah, like I'm gay, I'm queer, you know, and, and then in terms of like, in terms of what I feel comfortable describing myself as when it comes to gendered language, basically I'm okay with anything other than man or woman. Okay. Cause I feel like man or woman is so formal, mm-hmm. right? Like being a, being a man is like, oh, there's like whole Disney songs about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like this very, you know, it's, it's a formal thing with a heavy tradition and, and being a woman is, is sort of equally, can be equally formal and has a different tradition. That's actually way more radical and interesting to me. Um, but it's still a, like a formal designation. Whereas, like lady chick dude guy uh boy girl like any of those feel fine to me i'm like yeah i'm a girl i'm like a dude girl i'm like a lady boy like whatever you know like i don't mind i don't mind colloquial or casual gender language because for me that's that's how my gender feels right it doesn't feel formal it feels casual so i don't know i mean all that is to say that we're living into a world where the question of what's your gender is going to quickly and, and soon become not a box that you check, but like at least a sort of short form, like two or three sentence response. <laughs> it's like an essay. Right. Because I do think I do think that actually the question of tell me about your gender or, or what what's your gender is is a it's an intimate question, actually. It's I, like asking what's your family. Right. Uh, I'm cisgender. Yeah. Okay. We 
discovered that. However, I was saying before that I had this situation once where I worked, um, I grew up, my father worked and was wearing a suit and tie every single day. Mm. And I loved that look. And then I worked in menswear for eight years. Mm. And I love wearing a suit. It makes me feel sexy. It makes me feel empowered. And one day, this guy that I knew was like, oh, you, you just want to be a boy already. And I was like, taking it back a little bit. I was like, what? Mm. I like, I just like wearing this suit. Why do you have to say anything to me about it? Like, why can't I just be who I am wearing this suit and you mind your own business? Mm. And it was just such an interesting moment for me. And then I remember reading through your book and you talking about your mom being a tomboy. And I feel like women can be tomboys sometimes. And it's just matter of fact. Mm. But if a young guy is, you know, questioning his gender or is acting a little bit more feminine it doesn't seem as open or as okay mm. what what do you think that parents can do and kids can do um, as they're growing up to feel a bit more comfortable in their own skin mm. well a I, I love that I love that story um, mm-hmm. and I love that you that you shared it today because it it really brings out something that's so vital to me which is that just because you identify as cisgender, right? Mm-hmm. Or just because you feel that the in general, the way you were understood at birth is pretty consistent with how you understand yourself today. Right. Doesn't mean that you have a simple gender either. Right. Right. Like no one has a simple gender. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a, a lot of times people have this kind of and they don't name it as such, but it's true. People kind of look at gender nonconforming or trans folks and think, oh, well, what? why do you think your gender makes you so special, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I have a gender and it doesn't make me special. Right. And then that's where I'm like, oh, baby, like, you misunderstood. Yeah. No, your gender does make you special. Like, your gender is special. Even, like, cis men have a special gender mm-hmm. um, and have a special experience with gender and have so much to share and so much to talk about um, and so much to unpack and have, I mean, to be a, a person with a gender in this world is to be a person who has some shame and some challenges and had to overcome some shit and had to think through some things and had to work on some stuff, you know? And everyone had to deal with that even people who don't aren't aware that they had to work on that. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm really into the idea of like what does it mean to tell trans stories and to tell gender nonconforming stories in a way that calls everyone in to reflect right. on all that. Cool. Right? And so that's why it's just so beautiful to hear your story about wearing a suit and then this dude policing your gender. Yeah. Right? Because what he was saying is your gender's not right right, right now. Right. Like what's wrong with that's you? That's what happened. Yeah. And, and I that, was like, screw you, I look fabulous. Right. Because I'm sure you looked so fucking good. <laughs> I did. Thank you so much. Um, and and I think you know there's that 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 brings me to what we need to do as a world, mm-hmm. which is um, at some point or another we're going to have to as a culture say that gender policing is not okay anymore. Do you that, feel like that's kind of your mission right now? Or yeah, what would you, mm-hmm. like that it's not okay to tell someone that's not what a boy does or that's not what a girl does because there's no such thing truly. Right. Right. That that um, that it's not okay to make comments about whether or not someone's gender is okay in that moment. Right. Um, it's not okay to tell someone, especially like to tell a child, which, you know, we are so, we do so often that that's not what boys do or that's not what girls do. Just let your kids explore what they want to explore. Just let your colleagues explore what they want to explore. Like the only commentary you should be having over what people are wearing is, wow, you look good. Mm-hmm. Or wow, like I love that look for you. You know, like that's the only if you it's 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 I mean, it's a classic trope. But if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything. Cannot agree more. Like, don't say negative things about other people's gender expression. It's really simple. But we live in a world where 
people are taught from an early age that a way to have power in the world is to police other people's gender. Yeah. Well, that can stop now. In your book, um, fashion and beauty played such a big role in your confidence, especially throughout college. Can you tell us a little bit more about that Mm. and how fashion and beauty affected your confidence? I found that rebelling with fashion and rebelling and and sort of owning my gender in public has been a a really important part of my my self-love process, right? Mm -hmm. That in a world that has told me that I've I'm less than because I want to wear lipstick, that I'm a freak because I want to wear nail polish, that I am a weirdo because I want to wear heels, right? In a world that tells me all those things are wrong, there's something so powerful about like strapping on a pair of heels that you love, that you feel good in, that you know you can walk on campus in, because that was a big consideration in college. Absolutely. You're walking Cobblestone lots of places. too, probably. Right, you got some <laughs> old slate like tiling paths. Like, yeah. you know, you got to like make sure it's walkable. So I'd always do like a Jeffrey Campbell Lita. Ooh, okay. That was my favorite I shoe. I can envision that, the thick yeah. heel was really easy to, it was very walkable um uh-huh. anyway uh and like you know putting that on and then going out into the world and boldly confronting a culture that was really centered on on the gender binary right mm-hmm. like duke is a very fraternity and sorority driven school it's very much about being the ideal fraternity dude mm-hmm. or the ideal sorority girl you know like and and sort of going into that fray and boldly being like this is who i am i deserve to be here i am here and and y'all need to learn to see the world in a more expansive way. Um, it's such a gesture of of self love and affirmation. Okay. Well, with that said, I know we have the Jeffrey Campbell boots, but can you just give us a little glimpse of what Jacob at Duke what Jacob would wear? Are you wearing mm. a punk rock skirt? Is it pleather skirt? Are you wearing a frilly dress? It was very it was very kind of like punky. Yeah, yeah. So okay. it'd be like it'd be like a a black leather booty and like you know like a five inch platform like stomping one a like short jean shorts that i had sort of cut up myself and they were like a little bit ripped and fucked up and you could maybe see your butt if you bend over not that short not quite that (laughs) short i didn't have that level of confidence yet that took a little bit later um maybe maybe on like a friday night though you know like when i was going out to shooters that was the main club yes yeah and then like a ripped up t-shirt I got it really into like cutting up my shirts, mm-hmm. um, and then like a spiky necklace and a and a and like a little and like a vintage clip on and a and a bold lip. They were a rebel. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Do you have any advice, just general tips for someone to build up their self esteem in today's right. world? Um, I think the best advice I can give to anyone in today's world about how to build your self esteem um, is to stop scrolling, and to call people Mm -hmm. and I mean those are such basic things but they're really they're they're real right because so much of what happens and so much of where I think a lot of people's um you know body shame comes from is that you look through your feed and you just see all these people who who all look like they have perfect lives and all look like they have perfect bodies and all look like they know everything they're doing and a everyone on Instagram like every influencer I know is secretly like yeah I'm still fucked up Right. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I've never met an influencer who's like, yes, I am authentically and completely 100 percent happy. Mm-hmm. They're like, no, 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 I project this thing on Instagram about being super with it and being super happy and having the perfect life. And of course, behind the scenes, I'm deeply insecure about almost everything. Right. So, A, know that every pretty person you're seeing on an, online is still battling with insecurity because we are all battling with it. Right. For sure. Know that no one who looks like they have the perfect life actually has the perfect life because everyone has shit they're going through. And when you start to feel like 
your like if you start to panic about what you look like or if you start to feel bad about your body because you're scrolling too much like just Stop. turn your phone off yeah take a walk right like it's such a kind of grandma advice but really like it's we we have access to so much content these days and it's really, really easy to spiral. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so easy to just keep scrolling for hours and hours and hours and just to feel worse and worse and worse about yourself. So I just think, and this, you know, is coming from me, like Instagram lady is like, turn your phone off, you know, like close your Instagram for a little bit, unfollow accounts that make you feel bad. You know, I couldn't agree more. And I think that it's in today's age, you control your social media account and you can control who you're following. So you can definitely mute those people. Yeah. You can unfollow them if someone doesn't make you happy, if, does, if someone doesn't make you feel comfortable with yourself. I feel like you're probably an amazing follow. You, I had so much fun with you today. I wish we can continue this conversation and so have you on like every single week. Um, but in the meantime, until our next conversation, because I know people are going to want to learn so much more about you. Mm. Where can they follow you? Well, I'm always on Instagram mm-hmm. and Twitter and Facebook. It's just at Jacob Tobiah, just my name. And also, I hope people will go to their local independent bookstore um, <laughs> and pick up a copy of Sissy. A Coming uh, of Gender Story. A Coming of Gender Story and give it a read and then, you know, share it with friends. And if you feel really inspired by the book, just hide it in a men's restroom when you're done. Oh, my gosh. That is so amazing. Because there's a lot of men who need to hear more about, like, what it means to buck gender norms around masculinity mm-hmm. who just need to read this book. You heard that, guys. <laughs> read it. Hide it. Share it. All of the above. <laughs> I told you I laughed. I cried. And I learned so much from you and from your book. So thank you so much. Yeah, well, thank you for having me today. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks to our partners at Sephora Collection for helping make this episode possible. If you haven't already checked out their beautiful lip colors and their lip stories collection, be sure to try them on the next time you're in Sephora. They have so many beautiful colors and shades, and each one is named after a specific memory. Before I forget, if you've liked what you heard on today's show, be sure to subscribe to Lip Stories wherever you get your podcast. Every rating and every review helps other listeners discover us. And we're always so thankful to hear from you. Better yet, just share the podcast with your friends. All right, that's it for now. I'll talk to you guys in the next episode. <laughs>